How's everybody today? Everybody's doing good? Man, I, I want to let you know, I'm just um, I'm very grateful to be here today. And considering the week, uh, the possibilities to, to be able to be in here today worshiping together is truly a blessing. And we have some neighbors over to our east that, that are, are really in, in some tough spots. But thankfully, the Lord is providing people and resources. There's a lot of people stepping up and taking care of business. Uh, uh, we do have a link on our website if you would like to make a financial donation. And I want you to know that whatever you give, it's going straight there. There's nothing being skimmed off the top. We're connecting with the church over there on the ground in the middle of it and making sure that we're able to take these finances and put it in their hands so that they can continue on uh, getting back to a sense of normal. Um, I always have a heart for a church that's in those communities because there's devastation. They're not able to meet like this on a Sunday. And because the congregation is such a need as well, usually that means the tithes and the offerings go down. And so there's a church over there that we're actually going to help out so that they can keep going. Amen. And this is where we need your help. Amen. And so as we give, know this. Yes, we got our stuff to take care of here. But I believe that there are some generous hearts in here. And as you give, we're going to help them keep the lights on whenever it comes on. Amen keep that pastor on staff at the church you know what I'm saying like all of those things that it takes to keep that going we want to make sure we can be a part and helping out with that and obviously there's also the, the the goods that you can bring and we put that out yesterday online there's some stuff already piling up in the lobby if you would like to bring some more this week we will put something on social media so that we can have a meetup point that you can bring all of that so we can deliver those goods to the people um, that are in need. And I do want to shout out a few people today that took it upon themselves to organize some teams. Uh, I want Brett and Carrie Miller, Christine Thurman, and Jay Townley. And then where's Chris and Tanya Wyndham? Why don't you guys stand? And I want you guys to put your hands together for it. They didn't want me to do this, but I told them I was going to do it anyway. And if you were with them yesterday, why don't you stand up? They, they got some pictures back here. And there's one really cool picture of Peyton Wyndham, and he's got shorts on, but he's wearing, like, chainsaw chaps. It is incredible. Is that one up here? I can't wait to see it. Keep it looping to it shows, though. But I want to say a big thank you to you guys for going straight into it, helping those families. They were able to pray with a family. I mean, just just awesome to see the hands and feet of Jesus just going straight into the middle of all of this. And um, we're working on putting together another Saturday that we can get out there. So pay attention. We're going to try to get a game plan, let you know ahead of time so that we can get a bunch of people to go knock some things out and help some people out. And so, again, thank you so much for generosity and thank you for your hearts to serve. It's big. It's huge. And uh, again, that's why I say we're able to be here today. So grateful, so thankful. But I want you to know that that community, they're going to recover. They're going to be back. They're going to be stronger than ever. And we're going to do our part to help them. So thank you guys so much for that. Also, I want to echo a little bit of what Cynthia was saying about e-groups coming up. And I wanted to let you know that our e-groups are going to look a little bit different than they have in the past. Basically, all of our e-groups are going to be the same as far as the lesson content. And so small groups actually aren't going to be as big as they were in the past. This semester, for example, we only have six small groups, okay? 
And so in those small groups, though, what we're going to be doing for the lesson is we're going to be discussing the sermon from Sunday in that weekly small group. Now, at the same time, I want to let you know that e-groups are coming. Hopefully, if everything works out in October, we have a discipleship class that we're going to be kicking off. And so maybe you're new to the church, you're new to the faith, trying to figure out how does this work, what's all the steps, what's the things that we've got to believe, and all those different things. That discipleship class will be absolutely incredible for you. But this is what I need you to know. There is a cap on small groups. They're not just wide open. And I want, to, I want to explain why we're doing that. Because in the past, we have people that just go crazy when we have sign-ups. So everybody signs up for groups, and they fill up one, two, three, one, two, three. But after two weeks, some of those people that sign up don't go to group anymore. And so we don't know, can we bring somebody else in? Because some people's living room can only hold so many people. And so it's like, do we open it up or do we see if they're still going to come? And there's that vague communication. You know, you don't want to tell them you can't come, but you still want to keep your spot in case you can come. Y'all know that little thing that we like to do? Like, like I'm, I'm not going to be there, but I still want my seat in case I am. And so it kind of makes it a little challenging for us to do groups. So we have a smaller e-group uh, um, sign up this semester. Okay. Smaller number of e-groups. Let me get it right. Too many things on my mind. Smaller number of e-groups. Okay. But if you know you're going to be consistent with e-groups, sign up. If you know you're not going to be consistent, you might want to look at some other options. Okay. Did I say that good? Or do I need to clean that up a little bit? Okay. Thank you, babe. 28 years. It's going to be awesome. All right. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. I like the book of Romans by the way. Ephesians is my favorite, but I like Romans. I feel like, uh, and there's debate about who wrote it, but we all know it was Paul. And uh, Right, Andre? Yeah, it was Paul. And uh, it's just, he just brings it, man. Just like, here it is. And if you like it, good. If you don't like it, I still got to bring it. Okay. Romans chapter 12 today, and um, it's Labor Day weekend. And tonight, my team is playing your team. And may the best team win. Can I get an amen? Angela, no. She snuck in a roll tide in there. Stretch your hand towards her. All right, back to the sermon. All right. Yeah, we would need everyone to touch and agree on that prayer. I know there's a few other Bama fans in here. Sit down, Jason. Sit down. All right, Romans 12. Romans 12. There's new people here. They're thinking we're crazy. Welcome to the family. All right, Romans 12. Let's get serious here. Romans 12, verse 9 through 12. It says this. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. That's a good one. Then it says, hate what is wrong, but hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. It's good stuff. As spiritual as things can seem in the Bible, there's that practical application that they are so consistent with making sure that we don't get so over-spiritualized that we lose our practice, that we lose our everyday living. And so this is one of those sections of scripture where Paul, he, he's been talking about the difference between the law and living by the spirit. But then he just kind of breaks it down what that really looks like in everyday life. 
And he just, he just tells us, really love each other. Don't just say you love each other, but really, really love each other. And I think most of us have lived long enough to know that can be a challenge at times. Because sometimes people can get on your nerves. Sometimes people can do some things that just like, hmm. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you on the way here this morning, it was a little, hmm. Mmm. Look at your neighbor and just tell him, mmm. You wanted to do it anyway. I'm giving you full permission right now to let it out. Mmm. He says, take delight in honoring each other. And I will say this, in our culture today, that is a challenge for us to really bring honor. We, we live in a culture that has been trained to comment on everything. And it's opened the door for more complaining than it is honoring. And there are things that the Lord put in place, people that the Lord put in place, leadership that the Lord put in place as meant to be honored. And, and I'm going somewhere with this um, because all of these things is what I believe it looks like to be a believer. But it's challenging to actually do it. I know. And then if that wasn't enough right there, he keeps going. And verse 11, he says, never be lazy, but work hard. Come on. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord. Watch this. Enthusiastically. Like, you got to be a little bit fired up. And we're not always like that because we, we, we live in the place of we got to do it again. Right? Got to do that again. Here we go again. Here we go again. But he says, work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Come on, I'm glad he put that in there because like all that other stuff, I need to pray because I need some work. Verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them and always be eager to practice hospitality. What a snapshot that he provides for us. And there's more in there, but I couldn't preach the entire Bible today. Got a game to get ready for, but I did want to preach this part. I'm telling the truth, okay? So, you know, it's Labor Day weekend. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but Labor Day came about in the mid-1800s. We know it as barbecue, you know, and all that stuff. But there's a story behind it. It came about in the 1800s. And it was some manufacturing workers that were working, on average, at least 70 hours a week. And this was just their flow. There was such a demand on product being produced and it actually started as a strike. People needed a day off. That's what it was. They needed a day off. And so this labor union worked together with some, some leaders, some officials, and they declared a labor day to give these guys a day off because they had been working so hard. And so this weekend, we're observing Labor Day. We're observing the hard-working man, the hard-working woman. How many of you are sitting next to a hard-working man or a hard-working woman? Now, don't clap if they sit next to you and they don't do anything. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we get to be here today to join together as a church family to worship you. 
And I pray these few moments we got together, Father, we'll be encouraged. Lord, speak to our hearts today. We pray for all of our neighbors in the Big Bend. Your grace will be upon them. And everyone that's working together to provide resources or provide services, whatever it may be, I pray, God, your grace, your strength to be upon them. We pray, God, that there, there will be a recovery, but not only will there be a recovery, but there will be a revival. There will be an awakening, a stirring, God, that you do in those communities. And I pray, God, you use churches near and far to be a blessing to our brothers and sisters in Christ in that entire area. Thank you for those who are giving. Thank you for those who are already serving, even from this house, those who are leading teams, those who are on their hearts. Father, I just pray, God, you will use us to bring hope, to bring life. Today in this message, Father, Lord, speak to us. Let it lift us up. Let it encourage us. Let us show us, God, what you want us to be about. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When most people think about uh, the church, they tend to think about, um, you know, how you behave. And I don't know if you grew up like that, but um, when I was growing up going to church, there were like roles for when you were at church. And then there were roles for when you were everywhere else. And y'all know what I'm talking about? Like there were certain things that you can do like in public that you just could not do when you were in church. And so um, I would always go to church with my mom. And um, if you ever like dozed off in church, moms have this discreet undercover way of helping you to um, to awaken so that you don't miss anything in the sermon. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so for those of you unfamiliar with the technique, if you're sitting next to your mother and you're dozing off, she has a way of crossing her arms. And with no one seeing underneath the arm, she is grabbing you and just pinching you a little bit. But that's not the part that really awakens you. It's the twist. Uh, True story. When I was a kid uh, in youth group uh, growing up in church, we had one section of the church that was designated like the youth section. And all the young people sat there. And so when I got old enough to sit in the youth section, I remember my dad giving me some clear instructions. And this is how my dad would give us instructions. So he said, see this youth section? Yes, sir. He would say, let me tell you how this is going to work. In other words, he was eliminating all the options as well as all the questions. And he would tell me, you're going to sit there and you're not going to talk to anyone. You're going to pay attention. And if I glance in your direction and notice that you're not paying attention or that you have fallen asleep in front of the entire church, I will get up and I will tap you on the shoulder and do like this and take you out. Now, some of you think that just means take me out of the room. But I was raised by a different kind of dad that really took you out. And it happened. It happened. Twice. And uh, it was Sunday night service. See, when I was growing up going to church, there was Sunday morning service. All right. And then there was Sunday night at 530. Not the same service, by the way. Not the same message. Not the same songs. Different service. There was the 530 service. How many of y'all had that Sunday night service? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And it was a little more free. 
I mean, they amped it up a little bit, cranked the music a little louder, the drummer got a little bit, you know, he got a little bit more into it, and guitar solo showed up on Sunday night. Not on Sunday morning, though. No, too many suits in the, in the building. Sunday night, the T-shirts show up, and you can crank it. All right, love Sunday night. And still sitting in the youth section, but, you know, there's kind of that feeling that you can be a little bit more free and everything. And uh, I remember it was Sunday night. Uh, I saw, I, I looked in my dad's direction because obviously I was cutting up a little bit and he was not there. And um, you ever been speeding on the highway and then saw that trooper get on behind you and turn on the lights and that feeling that you have like where, and you can't breathe good. I think they call that a panic attack now. I didn't know that's what they called it then. <laughs> and, um. So I turned around, and I saw the door open, and there he comes. And, and I have to be honest, I thought he was going to be a lot more aggressive in his approach, but he wasn't. He was pretty smooth. And um, I, I think he was very good at keeping the culture of the room, you know, right where it needed to be to not distract the sermon and everything. But he came behind me, and he's smiling at people, and he just tapped me on the shoulder and did this. And I knew. I knew. Chances are, that's it. It's over. And um, so I have to say this. Some of you won't agree with this, and we may need to like do some edit some things out on the live stream. I was spanked growing up, whipped. For those of you who don't, for those of you who like to categorize it a little bit more, beat. It's okay. I'm not. I'm all right. Okay. And um, so he tapped me on the shoulder and casually walked out, and I followed behind. I did not have the same body language because I knew. And um, he led me into the bathroom, and he delivered some discipline to me and uh, let me settle down and then brought me back. But he didn't bring me back to the youth section. He brought me back in to sit by him and my mom. And, you know, I had that whole folded arm, pouting face and everything, and he would glance over, and just to make sure I had to smile. Um, and if you thought that was enough, uh, a year later, a friend of mine had this thing called a Sony Watchman. Y'all remember the Sony Watchman? This was a TV. The Super Bowl was on. Well, it comes on during Sunday night church. My family, we were hardcore go to church. If the doors are open, we are there, and we are early. That's how we rolled. And so my friend Aaron, he, he shows up at church with a Sony watchman. And he asked me if I wanted to sit by him. Well, of course I wanted to sit by him. I've learned my lesson about talking in church. And so I'm not going to talk in church. I'm just going to watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> and so um, he turned the sound down and everything. And we're sitting there watching the Super Bowl. During Sunday night church. And I'm feeling like it's going good because I was smart enough at this time to look down for a few minutes and then look up. And have my Bible with me to kind of cover some things. Listen, I'm a church kid. And there is nothing that none of you can get past me because I know all the secrets. You see two young people like a guy and a girl sitting next to, to each other, arms folded, shoulders touching. Underneath those arms, they're holding hands. I know how it all works. I know, okay? And I didn't know. My dad knew how it all works. And so we're sitting over there, and I got the Bible trying to act like we're reading the Bible, but 
it's over to the side, and Aaron's head's over to the side, and we're watching the game, trying not to react. And it was one of those Super Bowls where the Buffalo Bills were playing, the New York Giants, and they couldn't ever win. But we were going for the Bills, you know. We had a little mercy fanship going, you know. And um, that night, I didn't even see him coming. I was paying attention to the game. And he snuck up behind me. And he, listen, look, this is what happened that night. We didn't even go into the bathroom. We just went sat down. And we left church as soon as it was over. And he brought me home and brought me to the room. And again, delivered some discipline to me. Now, you're saying, Pastor Way, why are you telling these stories? Well, partially, I, I, wanted, I wanted it to be funny. It wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Look, I'll throw myself under the bus to get you in, all right? I will. Um, but the point I'm making is that a lot of times when it comes to church, we make it more about behavior than we make it about life change. And it becomes more about you better do this and you better not do that than God wants you to become this instead of that. And what happens to us so many times because we have that type of thinking, it's very easy to sit in a service like this on a Sunday and instead of really tuning in on the mission of the message that is being spoken, we're more analyzing our weekly behavior to see if we're even worthy enough, come on, to receive this word. And if it is something that is, hey, let's go for a mission, let's do something for God, we put ourselves more in, I've got to clean up my life so I can do something for God. And until I get it cleaned up, I can't do anything. And I think that is the reality of what has happened in the church because it's become more about how we're behaving than who we are becoming. And listen, we read in Scripture, Paul is obviously addressing some behavioral issues. And so this isn't, hey, just go act crazy, but let's go do something for the Lord. That is not what I'm saying. And if you're hearing that, you need to get your hearing checked because that's not what I'm saying. We do need to live right, and we do need to constantly work on who we are and how we behave, but we've got to give a lot of attention to who we're becoming because there's a lot of people that can act proper, but who they're becoming is nowhere near who they're supposed to be. Am I right? And so they know how to turn it on, but they don't know how to live it. It's such a difference. And so we know how to modify our behavior real quick because we're in church. You can't talk like that now. But after a while, when we're watching the game and our team doesn't do it the way we like, we talk differently than what we talk right here, right now. And there's a disconnect. And somehow or another, we believe that being in a location like this, because there's a church and there's a cross in there, that it is more consequential for us to act like that in church than it is for us to act like that outside of the church. And I want you to know, this is nothing more than a building right on I-10 at Highway 90. That's it. This is a banquet hall that we meet in for church. I don't know if there's anything really spiritually holy and special about this place other than the people that are in it and the presence of God that is here when we gather. That's it. And so for us to walk into a place like this and feel like I've got to become someone else contradicts and conflicts with really what God is trying to do in our lives because I believe what God wants us to have is some consistency between what we believe and who we are. Amen? There needs to be some consistency. So when I look at Scripture like this, I see Paul showing us both sides of it. 
And I love the part where he says, we work hard. We work hard. Now, some of you, you hear that and you're like, really? It's Labor Day weekend. We got a day off and you want to talk about working hard. I've been working hard all week, Pastor. Leave me alone. Let's talk about vacation hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's take a trip. But I think when he's talking about work hard, obviously he is talking about work ethic, but he's also talking about working on who you are becoming and working on what the Lord wants us to do. And this is where we get challenged a little bit, because when it comes to work, some people just don't like to work. Can I just say that? And so if as a pastor, if I sit up here and say, if you don't like to work, you're lazy, you feel like it's critical. But the guy who works really hard that has good work ethic under his breath, you know what he's saying? Amen. <laughs> right. I, I see a few guys just like, yeah, preach that. Please preach that. Come to my office this week and preach it to my crew. Um. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> this is this is this is where I want to go with this, though. This is what I realize: um, life change is hard, and it is hard work. You take a person that is trying to change, and of course, there is the grace of God that is on us, but it's also effort of man. Grace of God and effort of man. You put it together, and you're going to have some progress. Some people lean into the camp where it's all God. Listen, you got a part in this too. Some people lean into a place where it's all man. Keep doing it that way. You will become so frustrated, you're probably going to do more damage. Okay? And so you got to have both. But it is work. It is hard work. And one of the things that I see throughout Scripture is not only does God want to work on who we're becoming, and not only does he want to work on who we're behaving, but he also wants to put us on a mission to accomplish some things for him that you and I haven't quite put together that would if all of it put together is actually how God changes us and transforms us. Because there is the, the, the idea of church that tends to be a little bit more religious and like very observant. And then there's the other side where it gets very, very spiritual. Can we call it that? Almost super spiritual. And so one side, it's all me. The other side, it's all the Holy Spirit. And it can get weird on both sides. And I'm not trying to talk about balance because I don't even know how to balance. But this is what I do know. The Spirit of God that is all-powerful and life-changing can work in the life of a human being as that person is willing to take steps and work on who they are and work at what God wants them to be doing. I've seen it too many times. And so to put ourselves in the place of, I'm going to do something for the Lord one day when I get all of my life together, can I just tell you, I've been living life for 47 years, and I still don't have my life all together. Some of you are like, let's just get out of here. And anybody who stands in a pulpit and tells you they do have their life all together needs to be checked because I promise you even that that guy that looks holier than thou and presents himself with all eloquence I promise you he's got a blind spot and he's got a weak spot come on somebody you don't believe me go talk to his wife ah. look in some of those churches they don't let the women speak which by the way we do here and I think I know why they afraid the wife's gonna tell on them Anyway, let's not pick that fight. 
So the point of church is that God wants to change people's lives. And here's the thing. God wants to use people like you and me to change people's lives. So you can almost see he uses changed lives to change lives. He uses people who have been changed by his grace, by his power, and by their effort, by the way, to help bring change to other people that need his power and his grace and also need to put some effort into changing it. And here's how I know that, because you and I are all here today because there were people like that in our lives. Am I right? And we should clap for them, and we should give God praise for them. Honestly, you should give them honor because you're not that good without them. You're not. We know you. Thank God there was somebody that was an example to your life that was so impressionable that you said, I got to change. I can't keep acting like I can't keep talking to people like this. I need to change. And so you called on the Lord for his power and you asked him for his grace and his forgiveness because we're a wreck and we need God to straighten us out. But then you had to make a decision that this is the new thing I'm going to do. I'm not going to do it like that anymore. No longer I, but Christ now in me. Galatians 2 verse 20, okay? And so when you begin to think about church, you begin to look at it from the perspective of it's about life change. It's about God changing our lives, and it's not just a one-time process. And I'm so excited that at one stage in your life, you walked to an altar and you prayed a prayer, but that was just the beginning of what God wanted to do. That was just the start of it. That wasn't the finish line. That was the starting line. And now God is going to continually work on changing you into who you were meant to be, helping you to overcome some sins that seem to have a little bit of power over you and your life, helping you to tame your tongue. Boy, that's a tough one. Am I right? It's like, just pray the prayer. Jesus, keep working on me. He works on those things. And as he's working on those things, it's not like God's just sitting there saying, hey, let me know when you get it all together. You know what he does? He starts putting it on your heart to help, to help do some things. And without realizing it and taking steps to help do some things, God actually uses some of the people that you're helping and some of the people that you're helping along with to bring an influence. Come on. To bring an example, to bring some inspiration, to spark some change in your life. In fact, if you want to really change your life, Serve on a team here at Emerge. Serve on a team here at Emerge. And you're like, why? I'll tell you why. Because when you serve with other people, you get their example. You're like, I don't know, Pastor Way. I've worked with some other people and served with them, and some of them can push some buttons. I know. And the Lord uses those people to help develop patience in us, to help develop kindness in us, to help us really, remember that verse we were talking about, love, really love each other? And I need you to see that this is the package that the Lord uses to change us. Now, we, most of the time, we reserve ourselves until we reach a certain level or stature, and then I'll jump into it. And the Lord's like, no, no, no. It it would be like this. Storm comes here. You got yard cleanup. And it'd be like your son or your daughter saying, I really want to help, but I can't right now because... I'm just not a good son, not a good daughter. And when I do become a good son or good daughter, I'll come help y'all pick up limbs. I need you to know how long that would last in the home I grew up in. Yeah. 
my father would tell me, I'm going to help you become a son, a good son real quick. <laughs> Whenever you look at it from that perspective, what you begin to see is the reality of this is a family. This is what you begin to see, that this is a family, and the church is a family that is on a mission. I believe each individual family in here, you should be a family that's on a mission. No matter what your family looks like, no matter how functional, dysfunctional, crazy, fun, whatever you might describe it as, it doesn't matter. You should be a family that's on a mission. Amen? Because when you're on a mission, you have a direction. When you don't have a direction, you're all over the place. And when you're all over the place, your kids are trying to figure out life from being all over the place. Amen? And so it's hard for them to get some definition. It's hard for them to get clarity. And so when we begin to realize that we were meant to be a family on a mission, you put families on a mission together in a congregation like this. We are a spiritual family that is on a spiritual mission, and this is the mission we're on. God, you're changing my life, and we want to help bring life change to other people. And we understand that that is hard work. Amen? Because we've been walking through it ourselves, and it's hard to stop doing some things. It's hard to stop. It's work. It takes work to say no. It takes work to say yes to some things. But as your life begins to change and you see the results, you're like, I like that. I like that. I like what the Lord is doing. And so when we work together with the life change God is doing in us, I believe it serves as an example. Are you following? A good example for people to follow so their lives can be changed as well. So let's think of a few things. How many of you have ever said something like this? God, I want you to use me. Am I right? I've gone to all those summer youth camps growing up. Still, even, I mean, serving as a youth pastor, even a pastor. I'll go to youth camp with our students, and we'll be up in there at camp, and God is moving. Just one of them powerful moments. And I still do it. Lord, wherever you want me to go, use me. I'm like, wait a minute. I've got a place. (laughs) I've got a place. But it's like this, this, this surrender moment where it's like God I want you to use me and that's something that we always pray God I want you to use me but do we ever think that God using me means I may have to work hard and serve the Lord like that that's the that's the place that that's where we're that's what we're saying so some of you now like I'm never saying God use me again I'm saying God bless me God bless me God bless me God bless me and sometimes God will bless you and he won't just give you a big check. He'll give you a big job. That's hard work. That produces a big check. It doesn't mean he didn't bless you. It means he blessed you, but you still got to work it out. All right? And, like, we got to understand that part of this walk with God is going to be working hard and serving the Lord. Okay? Um, we forget that we're not saved by good works, but we're saved for good works. Like it's understanding that your behavior isn't what got you saved. It's the grace of God that got you saved. But because you're saved now, it should produce some good works in your life. Amen? And notice it says that. That's in Ephesians, by the way. It says that you were saved for good works. For good works. Not for good blessings. There is blessings all over in it. But you're saved for good works. Okay? And so as the church, I will say it like this. We have work to do. We do have work to do. Jesus said it like this. The harvest is plentiful. Watch this. But the workers are few. It means we got a lot of work to do. There's a lot of lives that need to be changed. We just need some more people to get in on the work. And so as I begin to look at this, I thought, okay, 
as a believer, there's a bunch of things that we need to be about doing. And a lot of times the things that we are about doing has more to do with ourselves than it does him. It really does. And we're just so subconscious. We're so just we're subconsciously. We make everything about ourselves because that's our normal nature. But God is trying to get us to the place to where it's not all about me. Watch this. It's all about him. And that's challenging because we're trying to bring balance to everything. But the only way we really have balance is to make it all about him. And the process of sanctification and change is God getting you from the place where it's all about you to where it's all about him. And I want you to know that could be a challenging process. Can I get an amen from somebody? I'll give you a little secret. I like it my way. All day. Every day. I think Cynthia said, we know. <laughs> but then she said, me too, so watch out. Okay. So watch this. Let me, let me bring this home, okay? No doubt. We got to read our Bibles. We need to spend time with the Lord in prayer. Like these, these are things that are just common things that we have to know that we do. Spend time with the Lord in prayer. Spend time reading our Bibles and letting the word of God speak to our hearts. Spend some time in worship. Getting to know God more and more. Being in church more and more. These are, these are some of the things that, that are just like obvious standards that we've got to do. But we also have to understand we're not just called to go to church. We're called to be the church. Amen? To be the church. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I am the church. Look at your other neighbor and tell him you are too. Okay? So watch how Jesus said it in Matthew 5. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 5, 14. He says, you are the light of the world. Now, some would say, no, Jesus, you are the light. He's like, I'm the light, I know. But you are the light of the world. He's the light, but you are the light of the world. Are you grabbing this? He's given us some responsibility to present an example to the world. Are, are y'all grabbing this? He's, he's presenting us with this responsibility. You are the light of the world, and we let our light shine. Watch this. How? By our good works. So that they can see him and praise our Father in heaven. It's our good works. It's our deeds. That's why I say we got work to do. It's our works that we do, the good works that we do, that helps people see Jesus in us. Amen? It's not trying to sound spiritual. I know some people, they sound so spiritual. I'm telling you, deep and deep as could be. But they have no good works. They just have good words. Amen? I mean, you sound great, but I don't see results. I like results. Amen? And then there are other people, they got good works, but don't have a lot of spirituality. So they'll be doing a good work, dropping some other words. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't look at nobody right now, all right? He's still working on us. Remember that little song? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun, the earth, Jupiter, and Mars. Come on, you want to sing it. I can see you over there. How lovely and patient. Oh, you see that word he put in there, huh? How lovely and patient he must be because he's still working on me. You know how he works through people like me? Through people like you. You know how he works on people like you? Through people like me. 
So when we say the Lord is faithful, you better be careful what you say. Because the Lord is faithful to use some people in your life to help you to become who you're meant to be. Some of you, you could not be the business owner that you are if it wasn't for some of those employees that pushed you. Amen? You couldn't be the mom that you are if your kid wasn't that way in their teen years. You didn't know how good of a mama you could be till you had them. Come on. You should tell your kid, thank you. <laughs> I want my mama to call me today and say, thank you, son. <laughs> She's not. All right. So let, let's get down to business because I need to finish. Got game day prep to do. So these are some things that we got to work hard at as the church, okay? This is some things that we got to work hard at. And obviously, I've told you some of the, the standard things. Reading your Bible, praying, worshiping, going to church, like all those things. But let's talk more missional. Some things that we need to be work at. Okay, number one, we need to be at work at setting up miracles. You're like, where are we going here, Pastor Wade? You just said, don't go deep. No, we can go deep. All right. So in John chapter two, Jesus performs his first miracle. The disciples are new to this. They've never seen anyone like this before. And Jesus says, come follow me. And so Jesus is about to perform the first miracle ever which is a big-time spiritual event. Am I right? Come on. Show me the miracle, Jesus. I can't wait to see it. And so before Jesus performs the miracle, in John chapter 2, verse 7, Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. Well, wait a minute, Jesus. I thought you were about to work a miracle. I am. I just need you to fill those water pots with water so I can use it to perform a miracle. So there's the work that God is going to do, but there's the work that we have to do. And so watch this. He tells the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars have been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. Now, sometimes, again, when we read scripture, we don't see ourselves in it. Or, or, or no, this is where we see ourselves. David and Goliath. Ooh, I'm David. Never thought you might be Goliath. I'm David. Give me my rock. I'll throw a rock at you. But never think you might be Goliath. You might be Goliath. You know what I'm saying? And so when you look at this, he says, fill the jars with water. Now, no doubt, you want to set up a miracle with prayer. Many of you are praying for people to have a miracle in their life. Am I right? You're praying for God to do a miracle. But it's not just with prayer. It's also with service. Okay? So prayer may turn the water to wine, but the water is not going to serve itself. Like, you can look in the pot all day and be amazed that the water is wine now. But listen, it wasn't just made to be in a pot. It was made to be in people. So somebody's got to serve it. And what I love is that God gives you and I a part in setting up miracles in people's lives. And I like to say it like this. It's a setup. He's setting you up. I'll say it like this. Nothing just happens. It's not like you just sit there and say, oh, we're going to church. Nothing just happens here. There are people that are setting up so many things before you even get here so that when you do get here, you can taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? There's a setup. And so you and I, we've got to work hard at setting up miracles, no doubt praying for them, but also participating in them. And so when you come to church, listen, it's a setup. And God is using people all across this place every Sunday to set up miracles of what he wants to do in people's lives. Our worship team's up here. I need you to know there was some practice that went into it. 
I mean, they're good, but I mean, come on, they still got to practice. We got to be on the same page. And they come up, and what are they doing? They're setting up a God encounter for people, okay? Here's the second thing. We got to set up some miracles, but we also got to lift up some people. That's what we've got to be at work doing, lifting up some people. Um, so in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, I'm going to paraphrase for time's sake. Peter and John, they're going to the temple for afternoon prayer. And as they're going into the temple, there's a man sitting there at the door, and he's begging. He's crippled, and he's begging for money because he can't work, and he needs some income. And he's begging him, please help me, please help me. And so on the way going to the prayer, listen to what they tell him. I'll paraphrase. Hey, so we're broke. And I don't have any money, but what I do have, I'll give you. They laid hands on the man. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Now, that's the spiritual part. And everybody's like, amen, let's pray for him to get up. That is great. But you got to keep reading. Because he took the man by the hand and lifted him up. There's the spiritual side and there is the practical side to it. There's the spiritual side that we cover with prayer, but there's the practical side that most of the time it's covered with our hands. Stretched him out a little bit. And this is what I've learned. When you're doing work for the Lord, it's going to stretch you. It's going to stretch you out of your comfort zone. You say, Lord, I want to change. I want to change. But I want to stay in my comfort zone. And the Lord's like, that's not how you change. you got to step out of your comfort zone. And so what do they do? They reach out. You know how the book of James says faith without works is dead? There's the faith part, then there's the work part. And watch this. You and I as the church, we're called to lift people up. We're called to lift them up. Or let's say it like this. Help them to emerge. Help them to emerge. Watch this. We can't walk for them but we can help them get on their feet because that's what happened in this story. And God is calling us as the church. We're a family on a mission. We set up miracles. We lift people up. We can't walk for them, but we can help them get on their feet. Here's the third one. We push aside obstacles. The story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. Awesome story because Jesus raised the dead man. And he came to life. But if you go read the story in John 11, you'll see in order for Jesus to raise the man from the dead, there was a huge stone that was in the way. And somebody had to move the stone. You say, well, Jesus is powerful enough. He can move the stone himself. But you forgot what point number one was. He uses changed lives to change lives. So it took a few guys to roll the stone out of the way. And God wants to use his church to remove obstacles that are standing in front of people. Remember whenever Jesus said, let the children come to me? We like to use that. We use it for back to school blessing. Let the little children come to me. You know why he said that? Because the children were trying to get to Jesus, but there were a bunch of people, religious people, that were trying to just flex a little bit spiritually on Jesus. And Jesus is like, get these guys out of the way so that the kids, so that we can get to the people that have a pure heart. There's obstacles that are in the way of people receiving Jesus. There, Listen, in our culture today, there are religious obstacles in the way. Not just worldly obstacles. 
There are those, but there are religious obstacles that keep people from Jesus. There are young people right now that are so disappointed and agitated with adults who have given them a form of religion that does not match the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. I'm serious. And if we're going to keep reaching generations after generation after generation, we can no longer give them an image. We've got to give them the real thing. But this is what that means for us as the older generation. we got to be for real. We can't just turn it on when we get to church and turn it off when we get in the car and talk differently and act differently because they're with us. They're watching us. They're seeing us. Tell them to act right while we're going act crazy. Come on. There has to be consistency. A life-giving message. And God is calling us to push aside some obstacles that's keeping people from Jesus. A lot of times the biggest obstacle is our example. It's our example. And it brings us right back to the place. God, I need you to change me because I don't want to be a stumbling block to anyone. Amen? I don't want to be the barrier that gets in the way. I want to be the one that rolls the barrier aside. And in the story of Lazarus, those men, they rolled that stone aside and Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes up out of that grave and he's raised from the dead. And Lazarus goes into the town telling everyone what the Lord has done for him. That's a picture of the church being used by God to move the obstacles out of the way so Jesus can come and take those who are dead in their sin and raise them to new life in Christ. This is the mission that our church family is on. This is what we're all about. This is why I say we've got work to do. And here's the last one, number four. We pour out blessings. We're called to pour out blessings. In Matthew 14, when Jesus fed the 5,000, he told all the people, have a seat on the grass, sit down. He took a boy's lunch, he blessed the food, and he began to distribute it. But guess what? Jesus didn't give it to the people. He gave it to the disciples to give to the people. He said, boys, take this and pass it out to everyone. When I think about what we're doing right now, collecting donations, that's what we're doing. We're, put, we're just pouring it out, man. We're pouring out what we have to bless them. Because they need help. They need it, and we have it so we can do it. When you think giving in the church, that's what it is. When you think serving in the church, that's what it is. That To think that God would put you and I in the place to receive something from Him. And we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. Come on, that's as good as it gets. I'll say this. I would rather be a blessing than just be blessed. Because when you're a blessing, the blessings keep on coming. But when you're blessed... You just blessed. Do you see what it means, what it looks like, what it feels like to be on a mission? Setting up a miracle. Some of you, you have people in your lives that need miracles. Some of you, you need a miracle. Some of you, you needed to hear this today because your view of church has been so skewed by a generation before you that made it more about behavior. And listen, I'm not, I want to give honor to a previous generation, but I know we all put our little flow to it. We all put our little likings on it. We all put our little edge on it. But maybe you heard this message today and the Lord is removing some barriers. Perhaps you've said a long time ago, I'm not going to church. I'm not getting involved in church. But when you hear a message like this, you start to say, wait a minute. 
we got a mission to accomplish. There's a lot of people's lives that need to be changed. Or maybe you're a person that has something that's burning in your heart and you were trying to figure out what it was for and you've tried to use it in your career. You tried to use it with other people, but it just doesn't seem to go far. But now just hearing a message like this, you begin to think, wait a minute. What if God wants to use that to touch a person's life? What if some of these skills and this stuff that I have wasn't just for me to do work, but it was to advance the work of God? We're a family on a mission, and we have work to do. As the Lord is working on us, he wants to work through us to touch some people's lives. And so this Labor Day weekend, as we're resting, as we're recovering, as we're watching our ball games, and all the different things we'll do this weekend, I want you to think, God, show me some things I can do on this mission that you're giving us as a family of believers. I don't want to just be the person that's standing and watching it. I want to be in on the mission that you have for us. Guys, there's so many lives that that I know and believe that can be changed right here in our city. You have neighbors, you have coworkers, their lives can be changed. And you say, how's that going to happen? Probably through you. Probably through you finish with this. I remember when we started the church, Cynthia and I and our family moved here and we didn't know anyone. We did not know a single person. The first person that we met here was Kush. Kush Willis. That was the first person we met. And thank God he owned a Cajun restaurant. (laughs) Go Tigers. All right. And so we had the task of getting a group of people together to help start the church. We had a church family back at home believing in us, investing in us. Trying to figure out how do you do that. Especially when you know how people feel about church. Don't shove Jesus down my throat. You know, all those different things. Our kids played sports. And put us at the ballpark every night. Pop Warner football can't tell you how many mosquitoes bit me at Montfort Middle School and how many early Saturday mornings out at the dump. (laughs) But I didn't realize that in my kids doing that, the Lord was giving us people. And we were pretty stealth about it. We wasn't trying to go out there and blast where a church that's starting because you know you got to live here. Seriously. And we knew if we were going to be a part of this community, we had to be a part of the community and not just get the community come be a part of our church. That's huge. So you start becoming friends with people. And then the baseball coach and his family comes to your church. I didn't ask them, they asked me. Seriously. Remember that, Abby? I can go down the list. But it was just being aware that there is a mission. And I'll be honest, part of it was survival. It was like, oh God, this church thing got to work. Seriously. I was meeting person after person. In fact, the electrician that fixed the electricity here, met him at the ballpark and told me, if your church ever needs anything electrical, call me. And he delivered. That's, that's the stuff, guys. 
but also when his wife was in the hospital having surgery, hey man, I need you to pray. And you say, but that's because you're a pastor. That was not promoting myself as a pastor. That was just a guy with my kids at the ballpark. That's it. And I'm saying that because you're those people. You're those people. When I, when I see my daughter with dance and all the families that we become friends with at dance, come to youth group, come to church, like all those different things. Again, it's not, I need you to hear this. It's not because we're pastors. It's because we're people that understand that we're on a mission and God is changing our lives and God wants to use our life to change theirs. And as God's changing your life, I promise you there are people's lives that are going to be changed. But if you don't know that you're on mission, you won't be intentional about it. And there are positions that God has put so many of you in and that position is important, but it's not all about that position. It's not all about that position. You say, why did God put me working with the crazy people? Well, you didn't know this, but they used to say you were crazy too. They're probably still saying it. But he knew if he put you in there, that you would be on mission and it could help change their lives. There was somebody in there that needed you to be in there. There was a kid that needed you to be their teacher. Come on, that's why he did this. It wasn't just to provide for your family. That was a big part of it. But he put you in that place. And he put that on your heart to do that, to accept that position. He let you on that team, young person. He let you be on the team, not just so that you can score points and get stats and win games, but because there was somebody in there that needed your influence and needed your example and needed your light. There was somebody that needed you to be there. And there's so many stories that you have and there's so many more stories that are coming from your life that you just didn't even know that by working where you work and bringing your kids to that ballpark or doing this or doing all these different things that God was in the process of setting up something that he wanted to do in someone's lives. He just had to get you there. And that's how he got you there. There's people all across this room and you're wondering, how could God use me? How can God use me? And you're looking outside of all the stuff that God's already put you in. He's already put you in it. It's just being aware. I have a mission. Can I set up a miracle? So I've never done that before. Can you pour some water in a bowl? Can you lift someone up? I don't know all the scripture, Pastor Wade. Yeah, but you can help somebody get up who's down. You can bring them a meal when they're sick. You're lifting them up. Come on. So I don't know, Pastor Wade. This is, this is like not like me. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. Because that's called life change. When we start doing the things that are, watch this, not like me. I start to look a whole lot more like him. And that's where we've been trying to get to. You stand to your feet this morning as we finish up. I just sense the Lord in this place. I really do. I can just feel so many of you. It's like you're getting it. You're getting it. You're getting it. I just feel just the Lord encouraging people right now. 
He's encouraging you. I can sense it. Jason, he puts you there. It ain't just about wins, brother. For somebody, you had to be there. You had to be there, bro. Andrea, he had to put you there. Come on. He puts you there. He puts you there. Mm. Father, today, I pray there will be a convincing in our hearts, God. Thank you for great people that have gone before us in their, their lives and their examples that shined to bring us to the place where we're living our lives for you. But Father, we understand that the baton is now in our hands. That in the middle of all of our striving to be great families, to be great people, to do great things, to achieve much at work, in the middle of all of that, you want to use us. You want to use us to touch more and more people. And Father, I pray that you bring purpose to all these different things that we're a part of. May, us not, may we not overlook, God, what you could possibly be up to, even though we might be struggling with some of these things. I pray, God, today that you will plant purpose in our hearts, that our vision for what we do and where we're at and who we're around, God, will grow beyond just the comforts of what we like and grow to the place that we understand the Great Commission is fulfilled through sons and daughters, through disciples, through men and women, through husbands and wives, through moms and dads, through young people on teams, through young people who are sitting in a class with someone new that's new to this area, whatever it may be. Thank you, Jesus, that the work you're doing, you're doing it through people like us. And I pray today, God, we truly will be a family that's on a mission, that we will understand we don't just come to church, but we are the church. And I pray, God, that you will begin to stir up things in us, Father. You stir up generosity. You stir up service inside of every person. You stir up purpose inside of us. Father, I pray, God, that we will work hard and serve you enthusiastically. For those who feel like they've been burnt out, for those who feel like they've been burned, Father, I just pray today that there will be a restoration that takes place, Father, that once again they will see the possibilities, God, of what you can do as you you use us today, Father. Renew it in us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Amen. As we wrap up today, I want to remind you, if you would like to give towards the relief efforts, if you want to give to Emerge Church, all the things that we are doing, uh, you can go to the hub if you do give cash or check, make sure if you're going to designate it towards uh, Hurricane Adalia Relief, make sure you write that on there. Otherwise, all the other donations go toward the operations of the church. I need you guys to know already before you even gave towards this, we already started giving to make things happen. Before we even put it out there to ask you to give, we already started to give. Because it, it, things got to go in action immediately. Thank you that you give in such a way that we can start giving before we even ask. Amen. But now that we are asking, let's give in such a way that we can meet as many needs as possible. Amen. Because we can do it. 
And pay attention to social media. We'll be letting you know some opportunities that will come to serve. We'll get together with all our teams and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. We want to see a big turnout to go help us do some stuff over there. It's coming. It's going to be awesome. Let's wrap up and close and go watch some football tonight. Y'all ready? No trash talk? Listen, after this game, I better not get a bunch of social media tags. Because I ain't tagging you with what may happen. There are people in here that can tell you that's not wise to do. Okay? Wink, wink. (laughs) All right, let's stop. Jesus, we thank you. God, so amazed that you would use people like us. Because we know us. We know how we are and who we are. But yet... Yet you still say, I want to use you. And Lord, I pray as we walk out of this building today, even though we have things we want to go do, I pray we'll be on mission. I pray that we will be the church that shines like a city on a hill. And that our example, our good deeds, our good works will shine in such a way. It will cause people to see you. Father, we're praying for changed lives. That you change ours. And that you change the lives of people that we love and people that you are calling us to reach. So I pray blessings as we walk out of those doors today. Blessings, blessings, blessings. But not just to be blessed, but to be a blessing. Lord, keep us safe as we go. Use your church mightily in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all. Have a good night.